that I would quit Alright, I promise no more after this My evil nerds and welcome to another episode of the dictionary i am your host spencer parks hey hey hey! what, what are you what are you doing who, here man who are you yeah, why are you in my house oh oh I, <laughs> this is this is my podcast how man. did i get here you this is my podcast stop trying to hijack my podcast uh, uh, welcome to this might be a podcast this is uh i guess you i'm hoping there's some word nerds here as well but this is uh for people who like they might be giants the greatest band of all time and uh well spencer since you're here and you broke into my house i think uh spencer parks and i are going to talk about the song darlings of lumberland off of nanobots was not planned at all not at all that it felt totally natural and everything i i am not an actor it was good and uh there i i correct me if i'm wrong but i think there might be some word nerds in the they might be giants world oh for sure i think uh the johns themselves might be word nerds yeah mm-hmm. yeah just having to think of topics uh for songs just hell just the name of this song you're like darlings of lumberland what what the crap is going on here so uh yes spencer uh has his own podcast called the dictionary and you all should go listen to it to be bigger nerds about words and learn about all kinds of words i'm sure he's still on the a's by the time this episode has aired uh so go check that out so uh previously he was on the state songs exclusive for about the first three tracks on state songs and he gave us his full history of his they might be giants fandom on the uh fibber island episode so if you want to hear his tales of they might be giants fandom go listen to that episode i can give you more history if you you got you got more stories i got i got a little bit more nothing nothing super interesting but the most of it has been already laid out on the table um 
uh, I was taking some piano lessons when I was young, maybe 10, 12 years old, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, my piano teacher had perfect pitch. And he Ooh. said, yeah, if you, if you, you know, want to learn how to play a song, give it to me and I'll, I'll arrange it for the piano and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll write it out for you. Wow. I, one of the first songs I asked him to uh, write out for me was She's an Angel because I just love that song. Yeah. And it's obviously one of their best songs. You cannot disagree with me. I won't let it happen. Uh, and so oh, I, I remember learning that on the piano. Um, and I think I still sort of know the, the chord progression, but, um, but yeah, love that song. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I feel like this episode will have already aired by the time this one airs. Uh, I gave it a 10. Oh, nice. So, that's rare. There you go. That's, that's a rare yep. uh, 10 from Greg. A rare 10. Yep. Um, I did mention in the previous episode uh, that I, I saw the one of their kid shows in the Chicago area with my niece. Um, and I was trying to remember what other shows I had been to. Mm-hmm. Um, so off the top of my head, as I'm reading this thing that I wrote a while ago, uh, I saw they had a show at the Lincoln Park Zoo. Really? This was many years ago. Um, nice. Let's see. Did I write down what year it was? 2002? No, maybe 2003, something like that. Um, yeah, they had a just a, a live show right there in the zoo. And that was a lot of fun uh, to see them play there. I the first time I saw them was in I think October of 2001. Mm. Um, I had just come back from a trip in Hawaii, uh, and while I was there, actually in San Francisco, on my way back, I found out that they might be giants were coming to Chicago in October, and I emailed all my friends and I was like, "You guys, we got to go see they might be giants." So yeah. I went with a group of people. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then yeah, uh, the, the Minkar tour was the first time I had seen them as well. And I saw them in Iowa City. (laughs) Which I moved to shortly after that, actually. (laughs) Uh, And then um, I remember seeing them at the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago. What? (laughs) They had some, like, I don't know if it was invite only or win tickets only or something like that. But I I think I won a couple of tickets and was able to see them at the Shedd Aquarium, which was a very odd experience. So these shows at uh, the zoo in the aquarium... The zoo and aquarium. Were, were they kids shows or regular shows? These were regular shows. These are such odd venues to be I, seeing them. I guess, let's see, the zoo, the, you know what? The No album might have come out at that point, actually, because I think it might have been 2003 or so. Okay. So it, I don't know if it was officially a kid show, but you know what? It's probably on the wiki. It might even say if it was a kid show or not. But, um, I remember a lot of adults around me, so, mm-hmm. you know, not that that says much, since I'm an almost 40-year-old listening to kids' songs by <laughs> They Might Be Giants. <laughs> so, we are jumping way ahead in the They Might Be Giants timeline for this one to the album Nanobots. And uh, Nanobots came out in 2013, so we're jumping about a decade ahead of your last episode. And Nanobots... Uh, is another one of those albums that I feel like it's mixed reviews, but I have always loved this one. And it's got such a crazy track list. It's got more of those uh, fingertips length type songs scattered throughout it, but it's also just got such big hits. I mean, hell, the title track, You're on Fire, Lost My Mind, uh, Call You Mom, Stone Cold Kunita, I mean, the uh, Icky. And then this one, The Darlings of Lumberland, I mean, it's got so many 
so many catchy as hell songs. Uh, what are your feelings on Nanobots as a whole? Uh, so I, ever since I got an iPod, which I think I mentioned in my last episode, unless it was cut out, um, I've, I've had sort of a weird relationship with albums in general, um, not just They Might Be Giants, because music would just get put on there, and then I would often just listen to my playlist uh, shuffle mode. And mm. so ever since then, since the early 2000s, if a, if a song comes up, I often have no idea what album it's on. So I, I've never, ever since then, especially with They Might Be Giants music, I could not really tell you you know, what an album as a whole is like. I know all the songs, but I might not necessarily know the name of the song, and I probably don't know the album it came from. But, you know, just looking through that list, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Um, and yeah, it's it's fun because, like you said, there's a lot of fingertip kind of length uh, songs, which I feel like they haven't really done to this extreme. I'm looking at these lengths, six seconds, mm-hmm. 15 seconds, nine seconds, 11 seconds. Um, they haven't done anything like that since uh, Apollo 18 with fingertips. So yeah, this one definitely has a weird place just for that alone. Yeah. Um, and in talking about all those short songs, the one we're talking about is actually the longest song in the album. It's one of their longer songs in general, I think. <laughs> they, they crack three and a half on occasion. Uh, they've only cracked four a, a handful of times, four minutes. But 321 is the longest song. Uh, besting, let's see, the second longest. Black Ops uh, is Black 311. Black Ops is 311. Yeah. Yeah. 321. I mean, this song, the... It's an opus. Yeah, I think... I mean, right off the bat, I want to talk about the arrangement. So uh, the horns were written, uh, or they were charted by Stan Harrison, uh, who is uh, one of the three guys in the Triceratops horns section. I love that name. Which, yes, which uh, goes along with uh, people that saw them on their last tour uh, would have seen Kurt Ram playing the trumpet and some other stuff. Uh, And then uh, Dan Levine, uh, or Levine? I don't know. uh, Levine? Oh, I think it's Levine. Levine, who has played trombone on many, many, many They Might Be Giants tracks, and I think mostly just plays with them live when they're in New York. So Stan Harrison is a saxophonist, um, and let's see, he was previous joined join the band as part of the Velcro Horns. So I guess there's a previous group here. Uh, an eight-piece horn section wow. that had Dan Levine in it as well. Um, and they play on... Oh, they play on Mr. Excitement. Another... Uh, uh, it's a fun song. Yeah. Uh, another track that splits fans, though, quite a bit <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, let's see. Okay. So he's been on a lot of albums going back to, it looks like, The Spine was his first album that he appeared on. So he charted the horns for this song, and they are crazy. Uh, This reminds me of um, an episode that just aired, at least at the time of us taping this, uh, Museum of Idiots. Uh, It's another one of those huge... I mean, they're no stranger to horns, especially saxophones, since Linnell plays saxophone and clarinets as well. Um, But like just having like these huge, uh, intricate arrangements, uh, Museum of Idiots and this kind of go hand in hand. Mm Mm-hmm. And on this track, I mean, not only did Harrison chart them, but he plays uh, saxophone, clarinet, bass clarinet, uh, and flute. And John Leno plays some bass clarinet as well. Probably not all at the same time, I'm guessing. 
Oh, well, I mean, it depends how big your mouth is. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there, there have been people playing two or three saxophones at once. I've played three French horns at once. What? I had to have people help me hold them, and it made the craziest chord. But the mouthpieces on a French horn are very small. And I oh, had three really? of them like that, like one coming out this way, one like pointed right at my stomach, and then one pointed out this way. I hope somebody <laughs> got a picture of that. I don't think so, man. This is the early aughts. We weren't all just there were no cameras of everything. Around. Yeah. Well, you had to actually have a camera, a film See, camera. That's the no problem. Less. Yeah. I didn't realize that the mouthpieces were that small. I was like, "There's no way he could fit all mm-hmm. four on his face." Oh yeah, yeah, smaller than trumpet mouthpieces. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I do like in the, in this one where you have both Johns singing. Uh, Flansburg's the lead and Linnell does backing vocals because lots of times you'll you'll see just the one John harmonizing himself mm-hmm. on his songs. Uh, and then you also have accordion, you have the programming, there's a lots of um yeah, there's there's no oh there's there's no Dan's Neither the Dan's and Marty are not on this. I'm sorry guys, I did not purposely mean to leave you out of this episode. But yeah, if you could take a step aside, that'd be great. Thanks. You know, this this was one of those where I knew that uh, there's definitely a drum machine in it, but I was thinking it might have been one of those where there's like some real drums and some program drums kind of overlaid, but it, it looks like it's all programming. Yeah, so when it says Flansburg. programming there, that's all drum machine. That's yeah. what that means, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or if there were any sort of samples. And there's one point in this song where I think there may be a sample, but um, we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, that horn arrangement is just insane. Oh my god, I love this song. <laughs> I, I know that a lot of people probably don't really care for it, but... You think? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I could be wrong. But for me, there's something about it that, you know, I, it's partly the horns. I played saxophone for about a decade in school, mm-hmm. uh, especially the lower ones. So that, off right off the bat, I love it because of all the, the saxophones and the horns. Um but then the the intricacies of the rhythms and the melodies that that not only the voice but the horns are playing and and the intricacies of the rhythms in the uh, programming I guess I can't say drums in the programming um, it's just so weird and interesting and um, it's created so well there there's a wall of horns i think is yeah. I, I i wrote notes and i printed them up on pieces of paper then he's crinkling uh, yeah and and i think i even wrote in there somewhere it's a wall of horns Definitely. it's a wall of music when they're when the voices are holding those notes it how many how many are there four five six voices it sounds like that are all overlaid in this like perfect there are harmony huge vocal harmonies on this one yeah yeah it's so it's so intense and and there's so many different things the 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 tone changes the style changes at at different verses and things and it's uh it's like you don't you don't know where it's gonna go but yeah they send you on this journey. Yeah, it's a very interesting song and very hard to describe. It's got, I mean, overall, I'd say it has kind of like a spooky oh, vibe. Oh, yeah, very much. And not just lyrically, but musically as well. Very, just this vibe to it. Um, but almost like at times, I mean, I mean, you could say it's jazzy. I mean, the horns definitely have a, I mean, I, I'm sure that Stan Harrison is a jazz guy. And so that comes through in the horn arrangements. But it's also almost got like a Latin kind of flavor, like in the verses that feels very, 
very like kind of Cuban to me almost. Yeah, I noticed that a lot of the, I mean, obviously not everything, but a lot of the the rhythms and when things hit are often not on the beat. Very syncopated. Very syncopated, yeah. And and it's weird because I when I was listening to it uh, a few days ago, I was sort of like tapping along with it. And I always felt like I was all a little bit off. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't. It was just that the music was a little bit off. But you still are able to keep in time with it. You're still able to like see where the where the beat is. And it's there's so many notes just off rhythm. It's it's so much fun. Yeah, it's it's a thing that jazz guys tend to play with that doesn't happen as much in the rock world, where you talk about either being in the pocket or kind of laying behind the right. beat a little bit. Like that's an intentional thing that jazz guys will do that is something so subtle that doesn't typically happen in rock music sure and i think that's part of it but i also think there are so many notes in the arrangement that are specifically written to be not on the beat it's like on the fourth 16th note or something like that like they're just the it's probably a combination of both i'm sure Mm -hmm. but yeah it's just a the rhythms are so weird and fun yeah it's just the horn horn arrangement is just so crazy it's not just like a bunch of horns playing the same line and then harmonizing on top of each other they're just they're weaving in and out of each other they're kind of coming in at different intervals to stack up to make a chord rather than all hitting at once uh yeah they're like puzzle pieces kind of fitting together to create something new i would love to hear the isolated tracks of each one of them just to hear what they're doing how how many times, I wonder, have they used this many horns in a song? I mean, it's only five. I guess it's only five horns, unless they overlaid some of those again. Um, yeah, parts that, parts maybe doubled, yeah. Yeah, but I mm-hmm. feel like at most, you know, on a studio song, they might have like three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Museum of Idiots, I think, has more than that. And I mean, there's so many songs where Linnell is just stacking up tons of saxophones. You'll, mm-hmm. Saxophones are very strong presence and they might be giants catalog um yeah but i mean even like a song like uh dr worm which has such a strong brass yeah presence they're pretty much playing the same line harmonized and they're not like jumping in at different points and stuff they're pretty much all you know they're all hitting together when right. they come in it's a much simpler line although it is done very effectively and mm-hmm. very well yeah uh but stan harrison can you send me uh, an arrangement of this <laughs> all written out i would love to see what this is yeah yeah it would be crazy to see the charts for this see the the composer score yeah it would I, I, as I was listening to it, I was really focusing on like the different the different instruments and the notes and what they're playing. And I am not a, an arranger. I have some musical background, but it would be sort of fun to just sit down and just try and arrange it out and figure out what they are Jesus. actually playing. But it would this yeah. would be like the hardest one to do, I think. Yeah, it would take forever. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, it's one of the few songs that um, pretty much solely relies on those horns. Um, like, yeah, there's no bass in it. There's no guitar in it. Like, yeah. the horns are doing all of the lifting. Um, you know, you've got a, a keyboard presence um, with accordion and keyboard and Mellotron. But uh, yeah, they but, are definitely are, supporting players. Right. Those are pretty subtle. It's really, uh, yeah, the horns and the programming. I mean, that's obviously a huge part of, of it as well. You were saying that you thought there was one part that might be sampled? Yeah, it's this little thing that interjects, and I'll drop in this clip here. It's right around two minutes where it just like shifts gears for like a split second and then back. Uh-huh. 
like just for a second it like breaks into like a old looney tunes cartoon type feel like yeah just, just for a split second <laughs> was there a specific part of that that you thought was sampled or i don't know it just always sounded to me like they just like took it just like plucked it right out of an old like bugs bunny cartoon or something i mean just yeah put it in there it, it absolutely absolutely has that sound but i i feel like that was just you know one of the licks from the horns that they wrote out because it's still so similar to the rest of the horn stuff. It's, I mean, it, it like puts it's a so break goofy. on the program. Yeah, like the the drums just like hit the brakes and it does this little thing and then just goes right back in. And it's like it's literally like two seconds long. It's so yeah, it, and, and yeah. so intense. It's got to be yeah. Yeah, it's from two o two to two o five, and yeah. then it's back to the song. And and again, it very much sounds like it's a baritone sax in there, possibly a bass, um, which are two saxophones that I played. And and like when I hear those sounds, uh, same with your your other guest. He's a guy in your band, right? Joe. Uh, yeah. Joe Fish. Yeah. I, I think he's probably got that same brain that I do. That when you hear that sound, it's just like oh, it's just it yeah. just sounds so good to me. I don't know why. Yeah, I love the the reed instruments. This saxophone is just like. Just the thick saxophones, and it's, maybe it's partially growing up, and they might be giants. But just like I love those low sax, those low saxes all stacked up and just like crunchy. I feel like it has such a, a unique sound. It's mm. hard hard to describe. Um, I'm looking at at my notes. Um, you know, it was really just me writing down sort of what I was hearing, and you know, really trying to take a deep dive at like what is going on with the music. Mm-hmm. A little bit less so with the lyrics, but a little bit of that too. Um, I mean, right from the beginning, the it's like all programming, I think. It's just a lot of weird sounds happening. But then... And there's that kind of like compressed air sound where it's like... Yeah, yeah. I want to know what was going through their brains when they when they made this. Um, but then before the lyrics come in, the the music just gets... They just keep on gradually adding more and more pieces to it until finally it's just... It feels like every sound ever is happening all at once, but it, it just it, it it works so well. Yeah, and I would love to hear a demo of this song. Like, is this a song that was conceived of starting with the horns? Like, is it something that like Stan Harrison's like I got this cool lick, and then they kind of planned out all this horn stuff, and then wrote a song around, wrote lyrics around it, or did Flansburg like? There's no guitar in it. I mean, did, was there ever like a guitar, like acoustic guitar in Flansburg, like demo version of this? Like, I can't see, I just can't see it existing in any simpler form than it is right now. And there's nothing else on the chronology tab. There's no other versions of this song. Yeah, I I did uh, watch a couple of live recordings of it um, when when they play it live. And they still have to have the horns with them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is a song that they would ever do without horns. Well, hey, let's listen to one. Um, was there any particular one you recognize here that might be a good one? Um, I think I watched whatever those first three. Two of them were actually from the same uh, the same show. I, w- um, I want to see what this uh, false start <laughs> is. They might be Giants, Darlings of Lumberland with false start. I might have seen. I probably saw that one. I can't remember in Brooklyn. I can't remember what the false start is. 2015, with the Triceratops horns, because it's in uh, the Music Hall of Williamsburg in Brooklyn, New York. Let's let's check this out. I can't imagine them starting a song and then stopping. But now that it's written, the pressure is off. Hey, John, is that is this fan gonna blow all that stuff away? It doesn't matter because I can't read it anyway. <laughs> You know, that's, that's the menu from the Thai restaurant. <laughs> All 
right, here we go. One, two, three, four. <laughs> They almost did it, okay. What is the brains everywhere about? <laughs> Mr. Stan Harrison, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just read, the, I just read this. I, I, I went back in time. Oh my god. I, skip, I skipped a song. Oh, I went forward in time. Oh. Easy I, am, I am the band Ben Affleck. <laughs> all right. What's this next song all about? <laughs> you tell me, man. I I love this shit. I don't know what. I, I love how Flans walked off to the side uh, to let people see the horns better. Oh! Oh, they're not. Oh. <laughs> this guy is so excited. Disbelief. <laughs> Guitar in this version, the bass. Oh my god! <laughs> they almost all have sheet music. So the wiki says there's only two known performances. And this would be I, one of them. I have something to say about that. <laughs> Man, even Flansburg has the lyrics in front of him. Yeah. That's how rarely they play this. That's crazy. Man, I can just imagine like the amount of rehearsal they had to put in just to play the song like this one time. Right. This is definitely a studio track absolutely yeah I, I i actually forgot that i took notes on this uh on these couple cover versions so first well they're it, not cover versions well right sorry they wrote it they li- <laughs> live versions is what i meant to say uh so at the beginning he sort of finishes off a joke or something and i just really want to know what he said before the video started like this video hadn't started recording quite right away and it was like <laughs> everybody started laughing at something he said but i don't know what it was um, I thought it was funny that they all have uh, music stands because this is way too hard of a song to have memorized probably like from days beforehand. Um, I, th- I think that they, they did a pretty good job yeah. with the horns arranging it similar to the song, but they've definitely simplified it pri- by probably like 50% or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's way, way less complicated. Um, and, and they only have, I think, what, four? I think it's four horns. I think I counted four horns. Yeah, they got the Triceratops, the three, and then Linnell playing bass clarinet I, on this one. So then oh, you got right, Dan, right, right. then you got Dan Miller filling in on guitar, and he's not playing chords. He's playing little noodly lines, which I imagine is taking maybe one, of the, maybe the clarinet line or yeah, something. Maybe. And then uh, Danny uh, playing bass, and Marty's on drums, obviously. And he's doing a lot of cool stuff on the rims. He's like hitting the rims of the floor toms a lot. Uh, so that's pretty cool. What I noticed with Flans is that this really goes to the top of his range. I mean, you can you can hear yeah. him straining to he get those straining. get those out there. And what I noticed is that the other performance, which if you check the wiki, I wrote two years later. I think it might only be about two months later. 
So this one was October 25th, 2015. The second one was January 2nd, 2016. So mm-hmm. only about two months later. Yeah. And there are there are uh, videos of that one as well. You'll notice... Should we watch it? Sure. You'll notice that his uh, his vocal range is a little bit different on this one. <laughs> so yeah, the one we just watched, I believe, would have been the first time they ever attempted it live. So this would be the second time, I believe. <laughs> and I think it's the same location, too. Yeah, Music Hall of Williamsburg. North of New York City. And uh, this is how the song goes. like a falsetto yeah you know for for you people at home definitely watch the whole thing because the things that they do with the horns are i think a little bit more similar to the original uh than the previous live recording um i I, you know they took these couple of months between these shows i think to really tighten that up because they they do different things um there's a lot of similarities to the original recording but then they sort of take it in another direction and it gets a and it's you know they have a little bit more fun with it they've still simplified it because you know they don't have as many horns yeah um and and they haven't performed it since (laughs) yeah that's crazy two performances and only New York has gotten to see the song live. Yeah. It's a it's a weird one. And it, the other thing I noticed, and I, I'm not sure if it's in this version or if it was in the other one only, um, the audience seems really quiet because it's not really a song that they can, that would be as much fun to sing along with. Not that you can't, but, you know, a lot of their jams like Dr. Worm, everybody wants to sing along. Mm-hmm. And also the, the rhythms and the music behind it is just so odd that it's a little bit hard to probably dance to or move to or whatever. So it just seemed like the audience was quieter than they normally probably would have been on a different song. Or they're just in awe. And what is happening? Hushed. I wrote down, it's poetry, lyrically and musically. (laughs) It definitely is a smooth song. It's smooth, baby. Man, should we talk about the lyrics? Sure. They're crazy. I I had a hard time with this. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah, honestly this is one that I I've I did not have memorized so just looking at the lyrics now um well, get, getting very spooky here. Now uh, the, the one thing though it, it, right on the top of the, at the wiki it says Lumberland is a small town in Sullivan County, New York, located approximately 90 miles northwest of New York City. Okay. Uh 
And then Flansburg has said about the song, on Nanobots, there's this kind of crazy song called The Darlings of Lumberland. Lumberland is actually a region in the Catskills, and the Darlings were, like, an important founding family of that area. And I, I tried searching for that, did I, you? Yeah, I did, and I couldn't find anything. Like the Darling family? Yeah. Is he just fucking with, with it's us? It's very possible. I mean, considering the uh, the Fibber Island description or quote that he had, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if this is completely made up. <laughs> But I, yeah. I took that idea of the Darlings as this family living in the Catskills, and I tried to sort of put that into the lyrics okay. as I was listening, but it's it's more poetry than anything else, I think. Um, you know, it, it's basically saying um, their voices are the echoes, mausoleums turn to sand. They're, excuse me, I'm burping. Uh, they're basically just very old. Uh, yeah. you know, I'm putting it very simply, but yeah, it's, I'd sort of, I think I would have to reread them. Did so I the dar- the darlings are long dead, basically. Yeah. Right. And they're now ghouls that are haunting Lumberland. Yeah. They're, it? they're ghosts and ghouls <laughs> and, um, what does it say? Wax It's just, it's just beautiful lyrics. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, just when you look at the words themselves, it's, it's just, I, it's spooky, but kind of beautiful at the same time and also very uh, morose, I guess, considering yeah. that's that's a pretty common theme with They Might Be Giants. Hold my cold, dead hand for a bit. <laughs> just got my cast off. I'm going to blast off. But yeah, then there's just weird <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, yeah, like, uh, I feel like Flansburg really likes the word mausoleum. When else has that shown up? Um the edison museum yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's a good word (laughs) yeah mausoleum it just really it's uh really paints a picture when you say mausoleum yeah i i think these are just some of the more beautiful lyrics than that they've written empty hollow sockets freeze the soldiers where they stand i was trying to figure out yeah what does that mean uh, well because it's in the beginning uh their voices are the echoes mausoleums turned to sand. So, like, they're so old. It's been so many years that the mausoleums, these, like, cement or stone structures, have worn away from erosion, and they're now sand. Like, that's how old... That's uh, pretty old. Yeah. And then empty hollow sockets freeze the soldiers where they stand. Um, I don't know if they're talking about actual soldiers or statues of soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, empty, I'm not sure what the empty hollow socket... Maybe... I don't know. This is real dark, but maybe it's like, um, you know, when when um, uh, what what's the word I'm looking for? When in war, there's a big like a mine, like a landmine or something like that. It, uh-huh. it blows up, and there's just a big hollow area in the ground, mm-hmm. and it's you know the soldiers that were killed are just laying there in this hollow socket in the ground. I have no idea hmm. if that's okay. you no. Know, fr- they freeze the soldiers where they stand because they're dead. They're dead. They're frozen there. They're dead, Jim. Huh. Yeah. Empty hollow sockets. Like, when I hear hollow sockets, I just think of, like, someone with no eyes. Oh, yeah. Right? Eye sockets? Absolutely. But that doesn't make sense, really, in the in the line. No, but it is a creepy, uh, a creepy visual. I would love to see somebody do a really kind of dark, surrealistic animation to this, uh... You know, it could start with empty hollow sockets in the head and then, you know, it could turn into, 
you know, the ground after a landmine has gone off and there's dead soldiers or something. I don't know. Actually, someone did make an unofficial music video that's labeled as a spooky Halloween music Ooh. video. Let's look at just a minute of this. Let's see what they came up with. Craig J. Clark. <laughs> so some clips from old horror movies. Wow. And, and, and those such. photos at some the beginning old, are awesome. Like freak show, circus freaks type yeah photos. stretching their skin the some old photoshopping where like your head is in your arm or something like yeah, that from the two turn of the century there yeah That's so we saw odd. we saw nosferatu uh why am i blanking on the name of the other movie not the island of Dr. Moreau. It's the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I think that's what oh, that was. I don't know. With the shadows on the wall. Okay. Uh, I think that, that was the movie that, that came from German Expressionism. Wow. This film guy over here. Only he a little bit. That's that's kind of the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> but I know Tim Burton was a big fan of German Expressionists. So ah. it's a little bit why I know about that stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, very appropriate uh, visuals for this kind of song, I think. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Hmm. I might have to watch the rest of that later. So what do you make of the line, uh, pull you off the bank and by popular demand, drag you by your mind and now you're under their command. Pull you off the bank. What does that mean? The bank of a river? Greg, I'm going to tell you what I think about that line. (laughs) I have no fucking clue. (laughs) (laughs) Pull you off the bank. Uh, And I may have mentioned this in my voicemails in the past. I'm not a lyrics guy. I have a very hard time paying attention to lyrics and words and songs and understanding what they mean. Even if I know every single word and I'm singing along, I'm just one of those people that does not know what I'm singing. I'm much more on the music side. (laughs) So whenever I look at uh, lyrics, I really have to sit and think and concentrate very hard. Uh, and I'm getting nothing. Hmm. Pull you off Again, the bank. The, the only thing it makes me think of, thanks to the previous soldiers line, is soldiers like storming the beach, like the beaches of Normandy. Yeah, whatever, well, that right? was actually Guys what I was like thinking. dying on the beach. Yeah, when I was thinking of the landmines and stuff, I was specifically thinking of, of Normandy. I couldn't think of the word, but that's what I had in my head. So uh, it could be another person dying in war, and now someone is controlling their mind. I love that part, drag you by your mind. Yeah. Not drag you by your hair or by your shirt. Drag you by your mind. Drag you by your mind. That's a, a really cool way to say that. Now you're under their control. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you could spend so long on just trying to think of what these lyrics mean. Was there anything in the interpretations that jumped oh, out at boy. you? Oh, boy. Let's see. I haven't looked. Let's take a look. I think I took a quick look, um, but there oh, it's just this one. I think. Yeah, this, this is it. <laughs> kind of an Adams Family take on the normal and commonplace. Shades of the Edison Museum in there, yeah, too. Yeah. And I guess with Adams Family, they spelled that wrong. Uh, th- that was definitely a good combination of kind of goofy and silly plus creepy and macabre. And uh, that's kind of what this song is. I mean, the lyrics are definitely very dark and spooky, but then the music can sometimes get very upbeat or silly or goofy and it's it's an interesting combination of both yeah yeah this interpretation really doesn't give too much again the lyrics show the giant's love of nonsense just for the sake of it really (laughs) you know it's 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 possible like i was just thinking about that too that maybe the phrase the darlings of lumberland is something that more came out of um 
like maybe Flansburg had the melody first, but not words and something about the cadence of the melody and the rhythm of the words, like just this weird phrase fell into it and happened to fit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I find the, the, the idea of music writing, especially with these guys so fascinating. Um, and of course, listening to your podcast and some other music podcasts, it's, I want to get in their heads. I, I I hear people talk about it, but I want to know what was in their head. What was it like sitting there? Yeah, was it the line that came first? Was it the melody of the line? Was it the music? Like, what was it that that spurred on the writing of the song? And also, who who did what? I mean, you know, we speculate mm-hmm. on just because the lead singer is often the writer. You know, was it one of those combinations where the two of them yeah. came up with different parts? Yeah, there are a couple instances where it's been found out that the the John singing is not the John that wrote it. But th- th- it seems to be rare, or else not widely known. Sure. I would love to hear them on the Song Exploder podcast. Have you ever listened to Song Exploder? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah where um, they can deconstruct some of these songs. And sometimes on that, they'll, they'll, on that podcast, they'll play like soloed tracks of wow, stuff and, so and cool. demos of stuff. That would be really cool to hear them do... And any song, really, I'd love to hear them on that podcast. It'd but yeah, this really would be a good one. There's, there's, I feel like this is a, a good one that you can really deep, uh, dig deep into it. I remember there was a, there was a TV show on a while ago called like Classic Albums or Great Albums or something mm. like that. And each episode was about an hour long, and they would, they would go through every single track of that album. So the one that I think of is Paul Simon's Graceland, mm, and nice. they went through each track. And I don't remember if Paul Simon was on there. I think he it was actually him going through the music. And again, they would go through track by track and they would play what all these little different pieces sound like. And he talks about the lyrics and the writing process. And I just remember that being so interesting, not just for one song, but an entire album. Yeah. Yeah, that's def- that's a nice cohesive album that definitely was written kind of as a whole. Yeah, um, yeah. The whole story behind that was is cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't never heard of that show. What what channel was that on? Oh man, I don't even know. It could have been like VH1 or something like that. Hmm. Probably fifteen twenty years ago. Oh okay. Yeah. All right. It was it was older for sure. Yeah. Hmm. But I think uh, Jimi so, Hendrix, Are You Experienced, might have been on that show as well. Nice. Something nice. like that. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, other. I mean, again, this, the lyrics could just be, you know, the Flansburg just trying to evoke spooky imagery and not even really necessarily mean anything literal at all. Yeah, which um, I think is probably pretty common for a lot of their songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wax museum dreams are so foolish. But I do love taking a literal point of view to them Yeah, with, with all their songs, but especially something like this. When you think of these literally, I mean... You might have a hard time coming up with certain things, but, uh, you know, just the line, drag you by your mind. You know, if you take that literally, <laughs> that, that's why I'm thinking yeah. of like a, a, an interesting animation. Like, what would that look like to have somebody being dragged by their mind? Is it coming out of the top of their head? Is it coming out of their ears? Like, what what is happening? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's just that kind of controlling your, your mind. So they're forcing you to do stuff. They're dragging you by your mind. Yeah, well, yeah. right. Th- that's that's what it is. But right. yeah, what's what does that look like to yeah. be dragged mm-hmm. by your mind? <laughs> so I did not... Uh, I, I could imagine that there are not any covers of this song, though. I could be wrong. I didn't even look. Did you get a chance I, to look? I think when, after I looked for the live performances, I looked for covers as well, uh, and I didn't see any. Maybe I didn't look deep enough, or 
maybe I didn't this actually would just look. Be but... such a hard song to cover. Yeah. And is there even? There's not even a guitar tab nope. or bass tab on the the wiki. I mean, just figuring it out. Since there's no guitar part, I mean, you'd figure out the harmonic structure based on the horns. So it is possible, but uh, no one has charted it out. Yeah, to do a cover like this, you have to really change it up or you have to do a full horn arrangement. Um, you know, maybe not full, but, uh, you know, you got to get pretty close if you want to do something uh, similar to the original. Otherwise, you have to take it in a whole other direction, which I think would be really cool to hear. I think it would be awesome to hear what people have to say or, you know, how they would interpret it yeah. to put it in their in their own voice. Yeah. So, no covers, man. I don't know. what is there anything else in your notes there? What do you got? Uh, what do I have? Um, let's see. In the beginning, before I think it was before the lyrics come in, there's this interesting thing with the clarinets. It sounds like it could be three or four clarinets. Mm-hmm. And the only way that I could really describe it was sort of them going back and forth. Like in my mind, I sort of visualized it going from left to right to left to right to left to right. And it's, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know how I could explain it musically. Uh, you know, you just have to hear it. So if you could drop in a clip of that right here, that would be great. Yeah, it was that part where it's it's like, that obviously is not accurate but this sort of weird weird rhythm with kind of a heavy piece in the middle mm-hmm. and then in my mind that's just sort of what i was visualizing yeah. is going from one side to the other with this like heavy beat in the middle as its transition point like so, a almost like a pendulum but too fast uh-huh. i don't know that was just a yeah yeah as i was listening i was uh i heard something that hadn't popped out to me before i think there are some low programmed synth tones in this i think maybe fall under some of what the programming would be called i think that whole i think that whole first measure or so right at the beginning seems like it's all programming and then it just stays throughout while the horns are playing and then when the lyrics come in it gets real simple Mm -hmm. there's very little uh non-lyrical music happening um, but it's still it's still in there. There's like two or three pieces kind of going on very light low, lightly. Yeah, yeah. One thing I said, I'll just sort of read this verbatim. Uh, it's like a backward song musically. The voices are actually more than the instruments because of the huge harmonies. So what I was sort of thinking when I wrote that was the the lyrics are there, the singing is there, but when you think of really what the what is the biggest part of the song Mm -hmm. it's it's the horns it's the programming and usually you know for most especially rock songs it's usually the lyrics that are the main part of the song and then all the music is there to back it up Mm -hmm. but in this case it's almost the other way around yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah this song is definitely uh uh i mean like i said before it's definitely you know it's uh carried by the horns and like I was pondering before, I was wondering if it started out with horn licks uh, mm-hmm. rather than anything that Flansburg came up with, if it was something that Stan Harrison was like, check out this lick. And then went from there. Who knows? Yeah, he seemed to have a big, big part in making this song happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is interesting because, I mean, the the because Linnell being a saxophonist, usually if there's saxophones in the song, he's the one that has written the part, at least I would assume. Uh, so in this case, uh, another saxophonist brought in uh, some 
some songwriting there. Yeah, it could have been that Linnell, because he loves the horns so much, uh, that he had this sort of germ of, of an idea. And then he said, hey, Stan, this is what I got. See what you can do with this. Have fun with it. Yeah, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, it's the idea of did the did the Johns co-write this one? Um, I wrote down, this is not related to this song, but I did write down there's the You're on Fire video. Um, <laughs> and so good one. when... When I was looking for the live version, if you scrolled, or maybe it was when I was looking for the cover version, if you scroll down, not all that far was uh, somebody's cover of You're on Fire. Mm -hmm. I don't remember why I wrote it down. I think I really liked it for some reason. Um, (laughs) Wrong episode, I know. I should save it for the next one. But I'll have to remind myself of why I thought that was (laughs) worthy (laughs) to write down for some reason. (laughs) I love that song. That's a good one. So do we uh, score this song then? I guess we do. I don't know if I have anything else to say. I just love listening to it so much. I want to know what everybody else thinks about it. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I love it. I, I think this is one where if you're if you're someone who was a, a band geek like we were, mm. you would have an even higher appreciation for yeah. it. If you don't like the horns, you might not care for this song that much. Yeah. I remember... I remember walking home from work one day, I think right after this came out, and it popped up on my phone, and I was just like, what is happening with it? It might have even been the first time I heard it. What is happening with this song? What is going on? What are these lyrics? What are these sounds? What are these rhythms? <laughs> and I was just immediately, immediately enthralled by it. Uh, and and it hasn't my view of it hasn't changed. I mean, if anything, it's uh, I love it even more just because I've actually taken the time to really really listen to it closely. Yeah, there's a strong a strong mood in this song that uh, like they might be giants. You're going to catch you off guard a lot because they don't stick to just one particular style, you know. And they're they're all over the place as it is. But this one really sticks out on the album uh, as being its whole own thing like it's got a vibe like no other song on the album it really sticks out yeah and that's one of the reasons why i love these guys so much is because they it's like they can never sit still they're constantly Mm -hmm. playing around with sound and music and genre and uh lyrics obviously uh and they 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 just never stop playing around which is great Mm -hmm. so what do you uh score this song spencer uh let's see I, I, there's part of me that really wants to give it a 10 uh, just because to me it, it seems it's like so perfect for my my personality mm-hmm. um, but I also feel like there's something a little bit limiting to rating something at 10 it's like oh it, it, it loses 10 loses its meaning so I feel like I have to come in at maybe like a, a 9.9 okay Wow, man. Because I feel like somewhere there might be room for improvement, but basically for all intents and purposes, it's to me it's a perfect song. It is it it is really interesting one. And yeah, like like I said as a band nerd, uh this song is just like so I mean just, I can like I've written, you know, I've I went to school for music. I've written for, you know, big wind groups and i know what it takes to arrange this kind of thing and get all those layers and harmonies right and uh, so i can tell what kind of work went into this song so i definitely you know respect the the craft there of stan harrison uh so big ups to him on that i think the um 
the the lyrics while they ev- evoke you know a, a feeling and are very spooky um are not i don't know i don't know they're not the most memorable of lyrics i suppose like when we you know we talked about doing this episode i'd go and i'm like what the heck are the lyrics <laughs> what of is this, this song? song yeah what is this yeah i had to go look them up i think um, part of that is also because when the lyrics are being sung it's not in a very uh, it's not in a very sort of upbeat rock right uh methodical rhythmic way it's it's kind of flowy right uh and i think when it when you hear lyrics like that they they don't sink in as well mm-hmm. if you can't sing with them to a beat obviously there's a beat but it's it just has a different feeling behind it yeah it's not written for for vocal hooks you know that's not the right the focus but yeah that, that made me kind of forget what the what the lyrics were i had to go look at them um i think what did I give Museum of Idiots? I gave Museum of Idiots a 7.1. And I'm kind of bringing this in the same ballpark as mm-hmm. a huge horn-focused song. And I think I might rank Museum of Idiots a point above this one. So I'm going to go straight up 7 for Darlings of Lumberland. Um, but for me, that is a nice high score. i got to leave a lot of headroom there. Uh, I'm curious where this fits in on the wiki. What 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 have people Let's rated it? Let's see. Oh, wow. it's a pretty high. 109 mm. out of 907. With an average of a 8.87. That is really high. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you rated it a little bit above the average, and I rated it a little bit below. Which I think makes sense. I mean, yeah, I think there are going to be people like me who really love it, and I think there are going to be a lot of people who, who feel, you know, good about it because it's a They Might Be Giant song, uh, but, you know, it's not their favorite. They might they might skip it when it comes oh, on. I just moved it. I gave it my rating of 7, and now it's down to 119. Wait, what was Sorry, it Sorry, darling. So it was 109. A 109. All right, well, I'm going to have to go on there and give it a 10. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a 10, and it'll go back up to 109. <laughs> I think they'll perfectly even themselves out. <laughs> All right, so I think that'll do it for this one. Thanks for being on again, Spencer, as, as the guy whose voice has been heard on this podcast uh, almost as much as mine. <laughs> or at least on almost as many a episodes. very distant second place <laughs> yeah well yeah thank you for having me um and now that i've actually been on a couple real episodes i will stop calling in and bothering you guys no oh. uh, no 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 i'll, I'll oh. still call in yeah. when i've got something to say which is rare <laughs> so greg i actually have a gift for you what uh i this is totally randomly i did not go out of my way to buy you a gift i want to make that very very clear uh but i was in a store yesterday and i just happened to see something that they might be giants had tweeted out and then you retweeted oh boy oh no it fell (laughs) so we have the giant music snob socks (laughs) socks <laughs> giant music snob those are the exact ones exactly i literally I walked into a store and they were there and i was like i have to buy these holy cow yeah that's such a coincidence that i had just just come up in the twitter feed yep. there thank you man you are welcome yeah i hope one size fits all yeah well they're men's socks so there you go <laughs> and now you can awesome. tell everybody very clearly that you are a giant music snob as if they didn't know already right all right People can find the podcast at Twitter is uh, at this might be a pod, uh, facebook.com slash this might be a podcast. You can email me at this might be a pod at gmail. 
you can leave me voicemails at 224-801-2930. You can find me on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. If you want to get some merch in here, bonus episodes. And I think that'll do it. So see everybody next time.